Welcome again, everyone uh, here. Welcome again, everyone uh, worshiping with us online. Uh, I'm going to start out this All Saints Day. I'll tell you a little story about one of my first funerals when I'd moved to Tucson. And um, as you know, uh, I used to be the associate pastor down at Our Saviors, down at Speedway Campbell area there. And my area was, was young adults, and college was kind of my thing. And so one of the things I did is I had this little artsy alternative service I did in the old chapel. And we would do all sorts of stuff that I wouldn't even do at midweek Lent. Um, we would have, we'd add clay things and we'd put all paint and sometimes I'd use multiple projectors. And we tried all these sort of artsy things. It was very deliberately designed to appeal to a more artistic kind of urban university crowd. And it never became very big, never became like a big roaring thing. But we did have a good little following. And one of my most loyal, one of my most loyal followers, but attendees at this alternative service, was an 80-year-old trans woman named June. And June was there all the time. June was helping out. June set up communion. And June was also my best evangelist. So June would go down to Fourth Avenue and the various groups that she was involved in and would literally go and invite them. And so a Sunday morning would come and I'd be sitting there. I have no idea who would show up. And it was always, it, it, was, a, it was a lot of fun. So very different people who probably you wouldn't have seen at a normal service. And uh, because it was small and kind of artsy like that, it felt a little bit safer for a lot of people. And so one of the people June brought in one day was a single guy in his 30s named Brian. And Brian had just moved to town from Texas, not, I don't know, a couple months ago or something. He hadn't been there in town very long. And moved in, and Brian started coming. Well, he really liked the church, and God started getting involved. And he looked at me and said, you know, Lars, I'd like to join the church. When do you have a new member class? I said, well, it's probably not for a few months will be the next one. So I'll put you on the short list. So when the day comes, we'll sign you up, sign you up we'll let you know. Well, before that day came, Brian died of AIDS. So he never made it to new member class. So June and someone, another one came up to me and they said, Lars, you know, I know Brian never joined the church, but could you do his, would you be willing to do his funeral? Is that okay? And I'm like, yeah, I'll do his funeral. I mean, just because you didn't get the date of the class, or, you know, we're, we're not splitting that hair. Of course I'll do the funeral. And uh, so we did, uh, set up the funeral, and we did it in the little chapel instead of the big sanctuary room, you know, the place where he used to worship. Set it all up, and, and some of his uh, friends came in, and they started decorating the room. And I always get a little nervous when people decorate. You never know what's going to happen, right? Well, Brian was into Egyptian things, and I knew this. Like, he, I think he had a shirt with hydro, hieroglyphics on it that he came in one day. Well, the day of the funeral comes and these guys come walking in with this life-size sarcophagus that looked like King Tut had been in it. And Brian wasn't in it, it was a model. But they brought it in, and this thing was a really realistic thing that Brian had done. I mean, he like got, I mean, he had worked long and hard on this. You could almost fool someone. And then they tilted it up against the pillars 
So there are these two big pillars up front, and there's this big sarcophagus there tilted against there, and they decorated the table and all this Egyptian stuff. And I'm like, okay, that's different. You know, I've done country funerals, but we can do a, we can do a hieroglyphic funeral, right? So I got in there, and I got ready to do the service. There was not a lot of people there. We had maybe a half dozen or so from the church, because that's about all I knew them. Then we had another ha handful or so who came from uh, some of the various organizations that knew him. A bunch of them came from the Tucson Interfaith HIV AIDS Network, Tihan it's called. And they, so a bunch of people from Tihan came, you know, again, another half dozen or so. And I kept waiting for the family to show. You know how many from his family showed? One, an aunt. There was one person from his whole family showed up. She drove in from Texas. And uh, you know, we did the service afterwards, had a little reception on the patio afterwards. And so we're out there on the patio, and I'm sitting there with the aunt. And the aunt is talking, and uh, two of the guys who came from Tihan, they're really tall guys, tall as taller than me. And they came in, and they were wearing sarongs. You know, those wraparound skirts that they wear in South Asia? So you really picture these two big guys, and they're coming in in sarongs. And uh, we're all sipping our coffee or whatever on the patio, and the aunt is sitting at the table with me, and she just looks at me and goes, the sarong is wrong. <laughs> and she goes, I'm like, oh, okay. She says, you know, I don't approve of this lifestyle. But these guys have been better friends to him than anyone in our family has. And then she made some comment about the family, which was not complimentary. And, um, so, I, and, and so I think about that. I think about the guys in the sarongs. Well, I found out they didn't even know Brian very well. They just went to funerals of people whose families weren't going to be there to be supportive. They only knew him like two weeks. They were just coming to help out, coming to be a presence for him. I'm not sure. They didn't even go to church normally. I don't even know if they believed in God. But they were there. I think about Brian every now and then, how happy I was that we could be a church home for him, that he hadn't given up on God. I think about Brian when I think about blessings and curses, when I have to read about blessings and curses, and I think about what does it mean to be cursed, and what does it mean to be blessed. And I think that to be blessed, well, we know what that, I think to be, let me back up, to be cursed, we know what that is. It's to be hated, reviled, rejected, Jesus has a long list of things, spat upon, persecuted. What does it mean to be blessed? To be blessed is to be taken in after you've been cursed. Jesus said this on his Sermon on the Mount. He got up on a mountain, right, and he's looking out, and he's got this big crowd of people, and it's full of the poor and the needy and the sick and people hoping for free food and hoping for a miracle cure or healing, and there's all these people crowded around, and they're looking to him, and, and Jesus gets up and he, he decides not to tell them what they've been told a million times, which was, 
absolutely total belief back then, and hasn't died out, which was that if you were sick, or you had a disability, or you were poor, it was something you did, or your relatives or somebody did, and God was punishing you, so you were cursed. That's what it meant to be cursed. You did something wrong, God's punishing you. And so all these people who had been told a million times that God was punishing them with their poverty and their illnesses are climbing up this mountain to listen to Jesus talk. And what does Jesus do? Instead of telling them that, what does he say? He says, no, you are not cursed. You are blessed. You are blessed. God has not rejected you. God has chosen you to be a part of his kingdom, to be a part of his family. God is going to take you under his wing and have you be a part of this kingdom of God. You read what it says right there in the Beatitudes. This is our gospel lesson for All Saints Days, right? Blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. They will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And it goes on, right? Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. In the kingdom of God, those who are suffering will be, will be welcomed in. Those who are ostracized will find a home. They will find the love and acceptance and the dignity that they couldn't in this world. Jesus is saying, look, God is on your side. When you are in pain, God is on your side. When you are grieving and mourning, God is on your side. Now I know, I know there are some preachers, probably some not all that far away, who will tell you that Brian was just a victim of his own bad choices and he got what he deserved. And, you know, if, if he just would have done something different, that wouldn't have happened to him. But I ask you, who do you think was living the kingdom of God? Who was living the kingdom of God? The guys in sarongs who say they aren't sure, they aren't really sure about Jesus, but they show up. Or the family who said they love Jesus and wouldn't talk to him. Jesus has a parable in one of his places. He, he looks at the Pharisees and the priests. They gather around him. And he says, let me tell you a parable. There's a father, and he has two sons. And he looks at one son, and, and he gives him some job. And then tells the son, and the first son says, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. And then he doesn't. And then the second son says, forget you. I ain't doing what you said. Okay, forget you isn't in the is New Testament. But. <laughs> But then he actually does it. So then Jesus looks at the priests and the crowd and says, okay, which one of these do you think did the will of the Father? And everyone was in agreement. Well, yeah, it's the one who actually did what, he, what, what, what was told. So I asked the question, which one of these did the will of the Father? Somehow, in our popular culture, the word blessings has kind of taken on this life uh, of its own as sort of a reward for good deeds. It's a reward 
Blessings are rewards for having enough faith or having enough self-discipline and determination and good behavior. Blessings are sort of something that God doles out. And there are preachers who get up and tell you that if only you have enough faith and make the right decisions and cut up those credit cards, you too will have blessings. It's almost like God's like a machine. You know, if you can punch enough of the holes, you can redeem a free sub. Do they still do that? It's, I haven't been there for a long time. They don't? Oh, man, that's why I haven't been there. So blessing becomes a reward or an entitlement. But in the Bible, in the Bible, that's not how it works. In the Bible, a blessing is something that is given out. And it's usually, it's the father who gives it out. You got that story, remember, of Jacob and Esau, going way back into the Old Testament, right? And, uh, and you, got, you got Isaac, and he's old, and he's on his deathbed, and Esau's the older son who should get the inheritance. But Jacob wants it. So he goes and dresses up like his brother, and comes up to dad while he's on his deathbed, and says, give me your blessing. It wasn't a merit, it was just, it was the inheritance. It was the farm and the sheep and everything with it. Jacob gets it, uh, as the story goes, and then uh, when his brother finds out, his brother says, well, I'm going to hunt him down and kill him. So Jacob runs away and the story keeps going, which is what I could have you know, told you was going to happen. But the point was that the blessing was just something to be given. It wasn't, it wasn't like one son was better than the other. The father just gives the blessing. In the Bible, God gives blessings to whoever God chooses to give blessings to. And that's just how it works. Cain and Abel. Remember Cain and Abel? One, one brings a sacrifice of meat, one brings a sacrifice of grain. God says, I like the meat. Doesn't give a reason why. And we all know how Cain dealt with that, right? <clears throat> you don't like my sacrifice. Well, he didn't really deal with it very well. But the point was that the father gives what he wants to give. That's what a blessing is. And so when Jesus steps up on that mountain and he looks out on the crowd, he is saying, yes, I know, the world may be ashamed of you, the people around you may be ashamed of you. They may consider you an outcast. They may consider you cursed. They may consider you untouchable. They, they are not on your side, but I am. I am on your side. God is on your side. They may not have a place for you in the kingdom of God. You will receive blessings, the inheritance of God. That's God giving a blessing. On All Saints Day, we commemorate those faithful who have gone before us. And like I told the kids, it started out as a way to remember all the martyrs that they couldn't keep track of anymore, because there just got to be so many. And so to make sure that they all got remembered, we had All Saints Day for all the saints. And then after a while, the title started getting kind of codified. It wasn't originally codified, but it got codified to where, you know, you had to perform all these extra works and you had to know that you had a miracle and, and, and this whole process. People, you know, that's where St. Francis came from. But St. Francis was a thousand years after the first ones were getting killed in the arena. 
And what made the, but what even made saints of people like Francis of Assisi was not that they were superhumanly powerful. It's that they embraced the gospel in all its fullness. So when Francis read the gospel and uh, it said, sell all your possessions and give it to the poor, he took his family's inheritance in a dye business, which was very lucrative, and he literally sold it and gave it all to the poor and then had to move into a tent behind the church. I don't think he had to get that approved by the property committee or the zoning commission. <laughs> what, you have somebody living out there? That's not zoned for residential. Francis, get out. You're in violation. You're ruining the neighborhood. But he did. But I think what Francis understood is that to be, to follow in God's will, to be among the blessed, you must be among the cursed. To be the servant of Jesus is to leave the center of wealth and comfort and go where it isn't. So today we'll remember the saints, large and small, known and unknown, popular and unpopular, all the saints who've done great deeds and those who've cooked consistent potlucks. We'll remember them for all that they did, the faith they shared, the difference they made in loving and serving in Jesus' name. Amen.